You know, one of the things about getting old is you realize that there are people that God brings into your life who are just special, and they're there. And you can be um, absent from each other for decades, but then when you come back together, bam, it's there. You're still there. And uh, back when I was in high school, I, uh, I met Randy Ray, and at the time, I didn't think he'd be a pastor. He didn't think I'd be one, but uh, the Lord's amazing. I guess what, uh, three or four years ago, uh, he connected us back up, and except for the fact that we put on a little weight, uh, nothing has changed. He's been a blessing to our church the last couple of years. He's going to be a blessing today. Would you welcome Pastor Randy Ray? Oh, that's right. Uh, it is true. We are predominantly the same as we were in high school. Uh, in high school, we were both outgoing. We're still outgoing. Uh, in high school, we both had uh, fathers who were preachers. I still, yeah, uh, yeah that didn't change. Uh, in high school, we were both smart uh, Alex, and uh, <clears throat> that didn't change. And uh, as you well know, I am glad to see you again. You know, I like this church, don't you? I really do. I really like this church. <clears throat> and I know last Sunday was your first day to get back into to the real service or, or the service in here. I shouldn't say the real service. Those online services are real. Uh, <clears throat> but your first service back in here, here's what I want to encourage you not to do. <clears throat> Don't get used to it. Uh, you know, uh, let's, let's remember how it was to be absent during all those weeks and let's uh, cherish the moment and <clears throat> hold on to each and every one of them. What a year we've had, huh? Uh, 2020, I, I saw on Facebook the other day, someone said, I'm, I'm going to call my mom and see if that offer to slap me into next year is still on the table. Uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> all right, I'll get warmed up. You know, not only have we not been in church, I hadn't been preaching uh, <clears throat> for a while. So uh, I hope I can still preach. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 uh, Kings 17, and we're going to look at verse 17. Uh, 1 Kings 17 is a very interesting chapter in the, <clears throat> in the life of Elijah. And it uh, surrounds, to a great measure, uh, God's provision and God's miracles around his life. Uh, the, in chapter 17, we find out that he was sent to the brook, and there the, the ravens fed him in the morning and, <clears throat> and in the evening. And then the brook dried up, and then he was sent uh, to a widow at a place called Zarephath. And uh, <clears throat> she was about to starve and die. And so God said, don't worry, <clears throat> just keep going and she'll take care of you. And then we're going to come up to what happened today, uh, where, that he, uh, where he displayed what it means to pray <clears throat> boldly. I want to talk to you about boldness for just a little bit. To be bold means to have the ability <clears throat> to take a risk, uh, to have confidence, to be uh, courageous. Someone who is bold is often brave, they're valiant, and uh, maybe even <clears throat> fearless. Now, bold people have marked the history of this country. Uh, for instance, uh, <clears throat> and marked history in general, Helen Keller, uh, such a, a bold person in being able to live outside of the drawbacks that she had uh, physically and became uh, such a huge uh, force. Uh, Fanny Armstrong in the Christian world in the, <clears throat> the same vein. Martin Luther King, 
a, a bold servant of God who stepped outside of the comfort of his day, a tremendously bold servant. Winston Churchill, during the reign of Hitler, uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a bold voice of the church against uh, Nazism. And our generation has known no bolder voice than the late Billy Graham. There have been a lot of <clears throat> bold voices in our generation, but none greater uh, in our generation <clears throat> than the late... I was watching you online, excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. Because... Uh, okay, it's not a problem. I... <clears throat> I was watching you online, and, and uh, Ronnie was back here, and uh, <clears throat> he said, just a minute, I've got to clear my throat. <clears> throat. And he did so, and he said, I'm not sick. I didn't cough. I'm just clearing my throat. He said that last Sunday. Uh, that's the only thing I can remember that he said last Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> but I just want to make sure I wasn't coming into a sick house uh, <clears throat> in here. There's, there's no greater boldness than, of course, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. In the pages of the Old Testament, there are a lot of men and, and women of boldness. And the prophet Elijah <clears throat> was a tremendous... Actually, he, had, he had, uh, was, sometimes was a polar opposite as well. But he had great times of, of boldness. He had some victorious moments, some times of fear. And in the course of his storied life, he encountered this <clears throat> widow in the place called Zarephath. And upon first meeting, he discovers her plight that she's near starvation. And miraculously, God meets the need. And in today's text, we're going to experience another encounter <clears throat> that he has with the widow of Zarephath. This is between Elijah and the widow. And this is a very unusual thing. We look at verses 17 through 24. <clears throat> After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. That means he died, okay? <clears throat> there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my son, my sin to remembrance and to cause <clears throat> the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. Now, if you ever highlight or do anything like that in the Bible, that's a really interesting thing right there. We'll get, <clears throat> we'll get right back to it. <clears throat> but he laid him on his own bed. Verse 20, and he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, <clears throat> let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. <clears throat> and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber to the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know <clears throat> that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Now, like all of us, <clears throat> certainly all of us this year, this woman had come to a, a crisis in her life. Everybody comes to a life crisis. <clears throat> There's no one who has ever lived such an enchanted life that they didn't come to a crisis, a serious turning point, a serious crossroads, a serious obstacle in their, <clears throat> their lives. Now, she 
has a crisis in her life. And crises can do several things. One thing they can do is they can cause us to have a a time of self-examination. Why is it that I'm at this crisis in my life? Why am I having this trouble that I'm I'm having? What is the, the issue that's going on with me that God is allowing me to have this situation happen? And so, <clears throat> literally, uh, this brought her to her knees, and she knew that, this, that she had known troubles, and now she knows more troubles, and she is really wrenched over this, or wretched over this uh, crisis of life. This poor lady's had enough trouble, <clears throat> the famine, and, and on and on it goes. But here's what the Bible says. Job, who is like the king of trouble, <clears throat> said, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. That means it's just going to happen. We're just going to have problems. Now, we don't walk around like Eeyore and, and so, oh, pitiful me. We don't do that, <clears throat> but we're going to have problems. We're going to have problems and problems. And I, I, I don't just say this for a, a, a preaching point, but <clears throat> the truth is problems gives God an opportunity to give us a victory. But we're going to have problems in our lives. So first of all, this woman has a crisis in her life. A woman who's had trouble now has more trouble. And the more trouble has led her to extreme sorrow. Now, you can't have more sorrow than the death of a child. I can't imagine more sorrow than the death of a child. All all deaths are horrendous. All deaths hurt. All deaths cause us pain. But to lose a child is just an awful thing. Do you ever think about the sorrows that could come? I think a lot of people... Maybe most people, perhaps all people, will sit around and they will project in their mind, what would happen if I lost this person? Or what would happen if I lost <clears throat> that person? And, and as, a, as a younger person, I can remember, what would happen if my mom died or if my dad died? And then one day they died. And <clears throat> I realized what was going to happen. We all have sorrows, just like this woman, and we have extreme sorrows, and we're going to continue to have extreme sorrows. Do you know what those sorrows do? They caused to happen in us what happened in her. Then we remember our guilt. Let me go back to verse 18. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. I have no idea what sin she's talking about. None. I won't even speculate on it. But there was something that was boiling in her heart and boiling in her head, <clears throat> and when she saw Elijah, and her child was dead, and she knew what Elijah's life was all about, she thought back to a time in her own life, and she felt like somehow or another, this extreme sorrow, somehow or another, this great pain, I deserve this, this happened to me, I deserve it. A lot of Christian people, people who have been saved by the grace of God, live in guilt over things that God has already forgiven. We have have sins that have taken place in our lives, and of of course we'll have some memory of that sin. And we certainly would naturally have some regrets regarding that sin, but we cannot be handicapped by the guilt of that sin if the grace of God has forgiven us. If we're walking in faith and walking in grace, we must walk in victory that God has forgiven us our sin. And and this isn't really a part of the message, but I'll I'll throw it in right here. 
How big does your sin have to be that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ couldn't cleanse it? How huge would your sin have to be that, that Jesus Christ himself couldn't forgive you and cleanse you of that sin to the point that you can't forgive yourself of what he's forgiven you of? <clears throat> How awful is that? Let me tell you a quick story that happened back in 2001. There was a guy named Tim Gagline. It's not spelled like that, but that's the way it sounds like, Gagline. And he <clears throat> was running the, uh, the White House office a public liaison, and he had daily access to President George uh, W. Bush. And all of that ended, and I mean it ended <clears throat> suddenly on February the 29th, <clears throat> 2008. A blogger, a well-known blogger, un uncovered that, that many of Gagline's publications had been plagiarized. In fact, <clears throat> 27 out of 39 articles that he had uh, published were plagiarized. And when the facts came out, by mid-morning the next day, his White House career was over. <clears throat> he was done. But he did need to face the music. And so he was called into the office of the President of the United States. And he walked in, <clears throat> and once inside the Oval Office, Gagline said, uh, Mr. President, I owe you. And he said, uh, stop. He said, Tim, you are forgiven. And he said, no, no, I, but, but sir, and he, and he said, stop. He said, Tim, I have known grace and mercy in my life, and you are forgiven. We have a hard time accepting forgiveness when we are so or feel so guilty. And even though it's natural to remember our transgressions and sins, the grace of God demands that we do as he does. Put them behind our back. Recall them no more. <clears throat> Forgive them. Forget them to the best of your ability. Let them go far, far away because that's what God had done. And the widow of Zarephath came to a crisis of life and it resulted in some sense of self condemnation. So that's the first part of our story, is a crisis in life. All of us have crises in life. You may be going through one right now. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but if I ask you to raise your hand, some of you would raise your hand and say, I am going through one right now. And <clears throat> it could take any number of veins. It could be a physical or a financial or a family crisis. It could be any number of things, but you are going through a crisis right now now. So that means that we're all in the same situation. Okay? So, so all of us have, are either going through a crisis, have been through a crisis, are going to go through a crisis. So we're all in the boat together. Here's the second thing. A confidence in God. <clears throat> in times of crisis, there must be a confidence in God. Now, Elijah does <clears throat> what any believer should do when faced with a crisis. He entreated and petitioned God. Now, I think that his prayer <clears throat> is one of the most bold and daring, courageous prayers in the Bible. In fact, his actions were. I'll go back. I, I shouldn't read all of this again, but let me just read you a little bit here. <clears throat> Verse 19, he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up to the upper chamber where he had lodged 
and laid him on his own bed. Now, <clears throat> there had been a, a bedroom upstairs, and that's where Elijah had stayed when he was uh, led by God to stay uh, at the house of the widow of Zarephath. <clears throat> so he took her into his own bed, and he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, <clears throat> let this child's life come into him again. Now, here's the first thing. He does a bold action. I mean, a huge action. It is risky business when somebody is in a time of crisis. It is risky business to step into their lives and offer a solution, a suggestion, tell them what they ought to do. That is a big thing. You Look, you are either really wise, <clears throat> know that you're really suspected, or, uh, respected, or really dumb uh, to do that. Because oftentimes people don't want to hear those trite, empty things that we have a tendency to say when they just don't know what to, to do. I mean, they have nowhere to turn. Here's where Elijah <clears throat> was so different. He went to the child. This woman is distraught. She said, you're here. You, don't you understand the pain that I'm in? Is God just bringing my guilt to remembrance? And she's holding on to that baby. I can imagine there are other women in the, uh, in the area that have come to help her in her grief. And she's holding on to that baby crying. And he walks up to her. Now think about this. He walks up to her and he says, give me the child. Now, how quickly do you think she's going to turn loose of that baby? She's not going to turn loose of the baby. No, 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 no. He's still warm enough that I can feel him. No, 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 no. Give me the child. And Elijah, with such great confidence in God, took the child from her arms. He said, oh, my goodness. Oh, it gets better or worse, however you look at it. He walked outside because the stairs to go to that built, that bedroom was outside. So he walked out of her, <clears throat> her presence. She's in there, I think, with other ladies. What is this? He goes <clears throat> upstairs. He takes that child completely away <clears throat> from her because he is going to petition God. <clears throat> she had no idea what he was doing. Why is he <clears throat> doing this? Then he moves from that bold action to a bold prayer. <clears throat> Elijah had extraordinary confidence in God. So much so <clears throat> that, that it must be unattainable and none of us could ever have the kind of faith that Elijah had. I mean, this is one of those stories <clears throat> like a Disney movie that happened one time and never going to happen again. Except for the fact that James said in James 5.17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it uh, did not rain on the earth. <clears throat> the Bible says he's like us. During a pandemic, he would probably wear a mask to the church service and sit there and think, I hate wearing this stupid mask. He would probably wash his hands a hundred times a day. 
You know, he was like <clears throat> us. Around toward the end of the message, he'd start looking at his watch and thinking, is this guy going to let us out the normal time that we normally get out? <clears throat> he was just like us. Now, the Bible says that he was like us, <clears throat> but he had something in his life that was perhaps different, and that is a fervency, an ability to get everything you could possibly get out of his faith in God. The, the word fervency means stretched out. It means pull. It means expanded. It's like this. <clears throat> you remember Maxwell House Coffee? You remember that? Good to the last. Exactly. That's fervency. <clears throat> All the way to the very end as far as it goes. Now here's this bold prayer. Elijah prayed for the woman's burden and for the child's life. <clears throat> he went straight to the heart of the request. Now, most of us are afraid of bold prayers. And let me tell you why. Because we're afraid they won't get answered. Well, <clears throat> the answering part of prayer is not up to you anyway. And, and Elijah prayed a bold prayer. I, I have a friend. <clears throat> I think he lives here in Nashville again. He lived in Daytona for a long time. He was a pastor forever. His name is Bobby Welch. And <clears throat> I was on a, a cruise one time. I've been on a few cruises. And, and, you know, have you ever been on one of those Christian cruises, you know, where they lock up the bars and, and you know, they're really no fun. Uh, but I'm kidding. <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, I was on one of those Christian cruises. And, and uh, Bobby actually was having a, a service. But I'm going to tell you, the, the sea was rocking and rolling. And, I mean, they had, it, it was one of those deals where they had, they had barf bags hanging uh, like ever so often in the hallways. And, you, you know, if you've ever been on a boat and, and it's like that, you know what I'm talking about. And it was mm, mm, that kind of thing. And so <clears throat> Jan and I, we said, well, I think we'll go and hey, listen to Bobby preach. And so we went to listen to Bobby preach and, and we're sitting there. And I mean, we're mm, and that big old giant ship is rolling back and forth and People are getting up and leaving the service. Now, and, and people on the platform are giving it this number as they're doing various things on the platform. It came time for Bobby to preach. And Bobby stood up and he said, he started to preach and he said, I can't preach like this. He said, everybody bow your head. They bowed their head. He said, God, I know that you have done this before. And I'm going to ask you to do it again. We're trying to have a service here, and I want to preach your word, and we want to praise your name, and we want to draw closer to you, but we are so distracted by these rough seas. God, calm the seas. And somebody in the auditorium laughed a little bit. And in the middle of his prayer, he looked, he said, I'm serious. He finished his prayer, Ronnie, whoosh, the sea calmed down. Yeah, and that's God. That, that wasn't Bobby. That was, that was all God. But, but here's the thing. God gives us a wide open invitation to pray bold prayers. Here's, here's what he said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Jesus, therefore I tell you, 
whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. James wrote that we have not because we ask not and that we are like Elijah and Elijah is like us and there's no reason that we shouldn't pray bold prayers. So he gave his petition. He did so with passion. Now often in the Bible, the one who is praying for the healing of another uh, touches that person of, of need. They, they reach out and they put their hand on that, that person of, who has the need. And Jesus uh, illustrated that in Matthew 8 where he stretched out his hand and he, he touched the leper and said, uh, be clean, and he said, I will, and so on. Jesus uh, modeled what Elijah did, and here's what Elijah did. Elijah laid the child on the bed and laid full out across the child. Now, can you picture this? I mean, this is, this is deeply personal to him. And he lays full out across the child. And he says, Father, let this child's life come to him again. This woman has had enough trouble. Give this child the life again. And not only that, he was persistent. And he did so once and then twice and then the third time. And guess what happened? The child's life came to him again. I'm convinced of this, that if there had been a mountain standing in the way of that child's recovery, God would have moved that mountain in that moment that the child might be whole. I know that you have some sort of a mountain. You have some sort of an issue, something really big in front of you. And you want to see that mountain moved. And it's all about pursuing the cause of faith in your own life and saying, God, I will live by faith and pray your bold prayer, and trust you with the answer. I'll, I'll bring this to a close, but you remember in, in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And do you remember that Nebuchadnezzar created this golden idol that they were supposed to bow down to? And you remember that, that if you didn't bow down to this, you're going to get thrown into a furnace of fire, a fiery furnace, and fire and fire and fire and fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow to your idol because our God will deliver us. Remember that? You remember the next thing they said? But if he doesn't, we still will trust in him. Now that's the boldness of prayer. God, I'm going to ask you for some big old hairy outlandish thing that I have no right to ask for other than that I'm your child and I'm in a crisis and I need this now. And I want you to know, God, <clears throat> I'm going to give you all the glory and praise in my life. And I put this prayer before you. This is pretty much what Elijah did. 
Elijah picked up the child. And he took the child back down to the mom. And the mom looked and said, oh, my goodness. Now I know that you're a man of God. Now I know that God is real. Now I know it. And it was because Elijah would allow himself to pray outside the lines and make it bold. I have prayed some bold prayers in the last couple of years. Ronnie, one was for Margaret. I prayed that often. And, and I want to tell you, God was, as we say, good, and he is good all the time. What is it that's inside of you that says, I got to pray big? I got to pray bold. I got to pray something that, that is so outside of me. I'm not going to ask him, I'm not going to pray and say, Lord, help me to enjoy this food. I know I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to pray, Lord, I'm out of food. I need it. I'm going to pray this big prayer because God is bigger than what every need, any need that I ever have. Bold prayer. If there was, ever there was a time in our lives, if ever there was a time in our country, in our world, for God's people to pray big, bold prayers, today is the day. And at the end of it, when God answers the prayer, what happens? People will say, now I know they are people of God. And God answers their prayers. Let's pray. Father, we could, if we did start listing the bold prayers that we should be praying right now, we would be going on for a long time in this service but Lord, I know that everyone here has got something walking through their heart right now, something for which they should pray boldly. And I pray that they will not hesitate. I pray that they'll not feel unworthy and understand that, that they walk and live in the grace of God and that, that your forgiveness is sufficient for all and that, that they can entreat you in the name of Jesus Christ, not in the name of their own perfection. And may they pray boldly. May we all pray boldly. Answer our humble yet bold prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.